Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. Football is a game that's uh, all about balance. Uh, you need to be big and strong, but you also need to be athletic. You need to have a mean streak, but you also need to be analytical at the same time. <clears throat> you talked about when teams get together and have joint practices, how there's almost every single time those teams get together, there's a fight involved with that. You have to have a way of getting your work done without letting your emotions spill over. New Orleans Saints uh, rookie left tackle Trevor Penning uh, was in fights three days in a row, uh, got kicked out of practice by Dennis Allen uh, yesterday. So the tolerance for the inability to control your emotions and, and to understand there's one team uh, that no matter which team you are that you will guarantee not to play this year, that's your own team. And how do you strike the balance of being physical and tough in practice without allowing the emotions to spill over? That's what something every football player has to learn. So this game of aggression, of, of, of meanness in some ways, uh, also has to be have a check on it that you are going to be able to control those emotions and handle the adversity and handle getting your butt kicked and handle wanting to push your teammate onto the ground but recognizing this is my teammate so for this broncos team we have yet to see a fight we have yet to see what i think anybody would say aggressive play uh so it's actually on the other side for this broncos team where i'm not sure if the balance is being struck here properly as far as the physical nature and the demands of being a tough guy on a football field have been honed out here. So at Saints practice, uh, Dennis Allen is kicking guys out of practice for getting in fights because they couldn't find that balance. I suppose we'll see today and Saturday and really next Thursday when the Cowboys come here and practice on this very field, has Coach Hackett found the right balance between the analytics, the thinking, and the aggression and the physical nature of this game? Yeah, in San Francisco... The last couple of days, Brandon Ayuk yes. and linebacker Fred, Fred Warner have gotten into it, right? And Fred Warner's basically said, I see potential in this kid, and I'm trying to light a fire. I'm trying to bring out the dog in him because Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco has turned heads with his athleticism. He made some amazing plays. But last year, you remember, after training camp, he was benched, didn't suit up for a couple of games because of his focus and his mentality out here he wasn't dialed into exactly what you're talking about that balance right and 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 remembering who you are out here and why you're out here is to be a badass is to go make plays is to be tough is to stand your ground is to not let yourself get bullied um and so there is a fine line there and sometimes there are veterans who want to poke you and press you and see what you're made of i had a training camp fight when i was in san francisco as just a a young walk-on guy trying to make the team, and there was a free safety there named Ronnie Hurd who wanted to pick on me. Mm-hmm. All the, I was the D3 local kid, and I'm going to show you who, who the real man is around here. And eventually we fought in the middle of the field, and the whole team rushed out to our defense, and the offense you know, came behind me and the defense, and it caused this whole team-wide scuffle, and it was like this bonding moment as an offense. And then later on uh, in meetings, our coach, we watched the film of the fight. Oh, we watched film nice. of the fight. And we, slowed, nice. and we slowed it down. We got to see everybody. Did you land it. a couple of blows? No, for me, it was more like um, 
I blocked him a little too hard on uh, a running play. Uh, okay, a little did, too hard. And uh-huh. he didn't like that, and he ended up falling, and I was standing over him. This was after he had been jawing at me a lot, uh-huh. and he ended up on the ground. So he stood up, and he just popped me in the face. And I just kind of grabbed him by the shoulder pads and pushed him, and then, like, I didn't really swing. I okay. wasn't really Smart, throwing punches. Your hands are your yeah, like, what are you really receiver. Exactly. What are right. you accomplishing by throwing punches there? But then everybody swarmed, like Garrison Hurst and T.O. were, you know, had my back and all. Anyway, it was a cool little team bonding moment. We had a, <laughs> we had a laugh about it in the meeting room. Uh-huh. My receiver coach slowed it down. We were laughing at everybody, how they ran in and what they did. But, but it is a team bonding moment. It is a moment where you get to uh, – Stand your ground, stand up for yourself, and tempers are obviously flaring. This was like one of the last days of camp, and we were full pads and doing that whole thing. And I think you're talking about how you haven't seen any fights out here. Well, they haven't really been stretched to their limits yet. Right. They haven't been frustrated. They haven't been dog-tired. They haven't been getting their asses kicked. And part of the frustration that results in a fight is just being exhausted and being feeling beat up. And so here's an opportunity for them to go play some real football today in full pads um, you know, we're not praying for a fight or anything, but we'll see if the temperature gets risen out here. Yeah, I, I think the most of the time these fights are typically between a younger dude who and an older guy. An older guy maybe wants to cruise through practice a little bit. An older guy like yourself trying to be competitive, trying to earn his way on the roster. These competitive situations, my desire to not screw this rep up and maximize my opportunity out there. I'm sorry if that interferes with your desire to take it easy display, right. but I'm trying to earn a spot on this roster. So because there have been so few of those competitive situations out here, we haven't seen temperatures boil. And I'm not saying you can't have a successful training camp without having fights, but there has to be, again, there, this balance this constant balancing act between taking care of players' bodies but making sure they're prepared for the season, uh, making sure we have a competitive toughness, but also understanding that, hey, we're all on the same team together. And so the best teams I've been around have always been able to find that balance and always go right up to the line with that. Uh, yeah, there may be a scuffle or two, but it doesn't get too bad. The fights don't actually you know, continue into the locker room. Guys you know, shake hands and we're able to move forward with that. And oftentimes, yes, the older guy will recognize, really, I wanted to take it easy, and you were going hard, and basically that's my fault. If I'm not how you're on the football field, i got to be tough and be ready to go every play, and I can't expect you to lessen it up because I'm not ready to play. Yeah, the play that, the play that I got in a fight uh, over was me as a receiver actually trying to take a downfield block seriously. There you go. So I'm supposed to go on an inside run and go block the safety, mm-hmm. okay? And a lot of times you'll watch at these practices – the receiver goes and kind of patty cakes and brother-in-law is the yep. safety, okay? So, but for a receiver who's trying to make the team, trying to make an impression on every play, is in two out of every ten plays, you can't, you can't decide what play is called when you're in there, but whatever play is called, you've got to go make an impression there. Um, when we did practice against the Cowboys out on this field, we were split up our offense versus their defense on one field, our defense versus their offense on the other field, so we weren't watching our defense practice. But after the fact... One practice in particular, they were so juiced up in the locker room because they had gotten in a couple fights, and one of them, Flozell Adams. You remember Flozell? Yes, big Flozell. I mean, one of the biggest dudes I've ever seen in person. <laughs> Just, like, <laughs> like giant um, features. But he had ripped off Nate Webster's helmet. Nate Webster was like a little spark plug linebacker who with dreadlocks, and his helmet always popped off after a hit. Mm-hmm. You know those guys, yep. like their helmet won't stay on their head? Yep. Well, Flozell Adams got a grip of, of Nate's helmet and pulled it off, 
and then he was swinging it. Oh. He was swinging it, dude. Um, and so, shoot, it, it's those moments that create the kind of, I don't want to say animosity, but ferocity, toughness, togetherness in a group. And we went out the, a couple days later in the preseason game and beat him here, and it was a big moment for Coach Shanahan because the previous year we had gone to Dallas, practiced against them there, and they had, in the game, dialed up a bunch of blitzes and done some trick plays, things you don't do in preseason games. There's a code with coaches. You don't over-game plan for a preseason game. Right. You keep it simple. They didn't keep it simple. They tried to embarrass us there. They did. The next year, Coach Shanahan didn't forget about it, and we took it upon ourselves to avenge that, and we beat him here. And it was one of the proudest moments I've ever seen Coach Shanahan. This was after a preseason game. <laughs> you know, I've told this story before, yep. but, it, but preseason games do matter. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're building a team, to figure out what your team is made of and see that they have the type of heart that you're hoping to build, whenever that reveals itself, that's a special moment. And it revealed itself in the preseason. After a couple days practicing against another team out here. So we're going to see that next week. We're going to see them get to lay it on the line in full pads and, and show what they've got. And today's another chance to do that as well. Obviously not as intense as it's going to be next week. But look, they're in full pads right now. They're getting ready for a full speed practice. Uh, our guy, Caden Davis, was once again the first guy out. A little later than usual. Yeah, it was like 9.45 or yeah, something. Yeah, seven minutes. He was slipping. He had to put uh, on those those pads. Yeah, extra pads. Yeah, so full padded practice today. We expect a very high tempo out here today. The text line just chimed in. Who can forget the Emmanuel Sanders and Corden Sutton fight? Most of the time, it's offense versus defense. It's pretty yeah. rare yeah. where it's two guys from the same uh, position room getting after it. I think that had a little bit more to do with Emmanuel continue to poke uh, Corden Sutton in ways he didn't want to be poked. Mm, yeah. And um, Orlando tells a story, and it's told one last week because Derek Wolf retired, about them coordinating a fight so they could both get out of practice. You ever, <laughs> ever seen anything like that? I've heard of such. I've not I know seen Stokely it. was always getting in fights at practice, man. That was my MO. That was his thing, man. He didn't want to practice. Just beat somebody up. <laughs> no, but I had never heard of, or like I had never heard anybody doing that, like doing a fight so they could just get kicked out of practice. I heard of such. I've never seen it with my own eyes, but I have heard of such from former teammates. Yeah. Uh, I did get in a fight in a Nebraska game. Oh, you did? Halloween, my senior year. We were losing like 45 to 3. Yeah, I was trying to get kicked out. Oh, you were? Yep. Ref, I threw a punch. Ref said, you do that again, I'm throwing you out. <laughs> like, Very next play, bam. You promise? You're out the game. Great. I'm out. Thank you. We wow. were getting our butts kicked anyway. Uh, when we come back, we got Andrew Mason. Mace has the ability to, to operate practice with about 12 different sets of eyes. He sees everything that's going on out here. So looking forward to catching up with Mace and getting all the details. That's next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. We are sitting down with the great Andrew Mason, our senior Broncos writer at DenverFan.com. Uh, tomorrow will be Mace Fit Day, where uh, everyone on the fan staff who can possibly dress up as Andrew Mason will be. So Halloween in August. Andrew, are you blushing? This is the first yes. time I've ever seen you with this expression. Yes. I, I, every time it comes up, I turn crimson, I think, at, at, at this. It's, it's fun. It's cool. But, uh, you know, you're yeah, so good at yeah. turning the attention on these players and highlighting what they do. And, and you're so good at... It's kind of digging into the layers and the different stories of every man on this roster mm-hmm. that you're not used to the attention being on you. But you deserve it, Andrew. 
every reporter somewhere in their instinct says, "Don't make the story me. Make right. it the story is about somebody else." Right. That's that's why I'm, I'm kind of red faced about it. But that's okay. It's yeah. fine. You know, hey, I'm. I, I think I think it'll be a fun thing to do. And the thing is, what we do is entertainment here. It's still different than just writing for a newspaper, right? right. We're in the entertainment business, so. Wrap your arms around it. Right, yeah, that's, what that's what I'm trying to do. Let's have some fun. Yeah, it's supposed to be fun. Yes. yes. You are part of the team. Yes. And being part of the team is we get to have some jokes with exactly. each other. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, it kind of like John Clayton became a bit of a character because he was such a great uh, reporter. What he did, yeah. it's similar kind of thing for you. And it's, so it's all love, Mace. This definitely. is this is my version of uh, doing the commercial where you're rocking out the Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> You know, tomorrow you should dress like Richie Carney. I don't have any medium shirts, though. That's the problem. I mean, now he's got the fit, as in like the tight fit. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit stuck in the 1990s, mid 2000s, letting it kind of a little bit of little bit of space, a little bit of a. Let it breathe. Breathing room, yeah. Well, I look forward to, I'm sure we'll take a picture tomorrow with everybody yes. dressing their mace fit, so definitely check that out on DenverFan.com. I'm sure there'll be plenty of photos there. Shifting over to the Broncos. Uh, much has been made about the uh, pace of practices, some of the uh, more traditional periods that are lacking here, the 7-on-7, seven seven, the 9-on-7, the 1-on-1s. Uh, Coach Hackett has explained his side of things. I think he's done a pretty good job of that. Uh, you've been out here at this uh, or or at Broncos training camp for years and years and decades even, Mace. What's your take? What's your feeling about the experiment that Coach Hackett is doing here for Broncos training camp? Well, we're not going to really get the results until we get into the season. And, and the, but the funny thing is, we may look at this season. If it, this season comes out ex- surprisingly good, like, I mean, I've got them going 11 and 6. If they go like 13 and 4, 14 and 3. People are going to say, oh, well, it must have been because of what they did this summer. And if they go 8-9, and nine, come in below expectations, it might, be the, it might be, oh, well, they struggled because they didn't do 7-on-7, seven seven, because you didn't have one-on-one line reps. We're probably going to over-attribute what happens this season to, what, to how practice is being run right now. Because there will probably be other factors that come into play that, that end up happening in the run of a season. But, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, th- this is an experiment. And it's, they're not alone. Uh, Matt LaFleur, three years ago, talked about not doing seven-on-sevens in Green Bay. But the thing that he also added was, you don't have seven-on-sevens, but you want your big guys to do one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. And we're not seeing big guy one-on-ones right now either. Yeah. And so that's where I'm kind of curious. And, and someone like, like Tyler Columbus has said, hey, those one-on-ones, that's where I would work on things. Right. And, and I'm sure the same was probably for you, true for you guys as well. Well, as the receiver, you know, these young receivers maybe get two out of three or two or three out of every ten plays. Yeah. And those two plays they get, maybe a backside run blocking play or maybe a you know, a backside post where they're not looked at. The the benefit of one on ones as a as a receiver on the back of the depth chart is you know the ball is coming to you. You yeah. know you're gonna get that throw and you know you get to go make a play on it. Okay, but I wanna piggyback on something you just said. When we see the games unfold, we might attribute it to this this stuff. Unfairly, yeah. But when we see the games unfold, won't we be able to analyze why they lost the game? For example, yeah. if they don't make their blocks and they're not very good at tackling, yes. then you can say, hey, maybe the lack of blocking and tackling in the in the preseason and training camp led to them not being able to do that in the regular season. That part, yes, and especially tackling. I mean, if we go out there and we see them missing a bunch of tackles, then I think it's going to be fair to question uh, whether this camp was physical enough, whether they got enough practice at fundamental tackling. And that's another thing. 
know, they they have the individual work, but certain fundamentals of, of, of it, like like tackling, you've got to actually be physical, and you can't simply practice that against a, against a dummy, a tackling dummy. And you know what? We're, they're losing you know one every three days here, and so how's that going to play out as well? I mean, it, it's it's weird to feel like we're watching an experimental camp, but it almost feels like that's what we're seeing right now. Like the, like this this team's kind of the first; they're one of the first through the wall on this, and you know the nose is going to get bloodied. But are they going to come out clean on the other side or not? I mean, we don't know, but that's one of the reasons why this season is going to be so fascinating. Uh, experiment is certainly the word I've been using, uh, particularly this week, because it just it feels very experimental compared to my football experience and background. Uh, there are a couple battles up front uh, on the offensive line, um, which I think we're, we're, we're reporting on because, you know, Natane Moody takes one uh, series of reps and then Quinn Miners takes another and they're alternating and moving guys around. But for those offensive linemen, it's always very difficult to evaluate those guys without full pads, right. without a physical practice. So you are the guy on the staff who has the, the most complete understanding of what's happening out here at practice. Are you seeing a leader in the clubhouse with some of those battles up front despite the lack of real true physical work? Yeah, the leaders in the clubhouse at the guard spots are Reisner on the left side and uh, Miners on the right side. I mean, it's actually interesting to see how they're using Natani Muti because it's left side and right side. I think the actually the competition is maybe shifting a little bit. Muti could still push and he'd probably he'd have to be spectacular, but he could still push to start. And Justin Outen, the offense coordinator, has said, okay, this competition is going to continue into the season, so don't be surprised if there's even a little movement during the year. But an interesting competition right now is who's going to be the swing backup because yesterday when they were out here doing their jog-through practice, they broke off into two fields, starters and key rotational backups on one, reserves on the other. It was Natani Muti who was over on the field with the starters rotating in for minors and Reisner, not Graham Glasgow. And Glasgow and, and Muti earlier this week, they were flipping back and forth between left and right guard. So I think Muti's probably moved ahead. And now the question for Glasgow is, are they going to keep two swing guards on the roster behind the, behind the starters? Or is one of those guys going to be Luke Wattenberg, who's gotten the second team center reps this week, the fifth round pick out of Washington, and he's basically a pure center at this point. So it might not bode well for Glasgow the way things are going. Andrew, um, a premium is being placed in this league now on edge rushers, so much so that Broncos signed Randy Gregory to a big deal and then draft used their first draft pick to draft one. Um, also moved Baron Browning from inside linebacker to outside linebacker. He's now playing that edge. What have you seen from Baron Browning so far? Is there a chance that he ends up being part of that wave, that rotation that could be effective coming off the edge? Very much so. I'd be surprised if he's not part of the, the wave and the rotation because the thing that he's done that I really like is he's taken what he did at inside linebacker and he's applying it to the edge. And in particular, he's taken the ability to diagnose run plays as they develop and take it outside. And that's something that's helping him out. It's also helping him out because, as you know, when you go to the edge from inside, you're going to encounter the old lineman a bit quick, quicker. And that's that's something he said he kind of had to readjust to a little bit, but he's doing he's doing well. And it seems like every day he's accounting for a potential sack in practice. Like there was one play, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, where he just whips around Quinn Bailey on the edge. If he doesn't stop, 
that is a strip sack fumble of Josh Johnson. And he's making a play like that every day. Is there a chance he's jumping ahead of Malik Reed, Jonathan Cooper? I think he's probably ahead of Jonathan Cooper because we haven't seen Coop out here because he's still rehabbing from uh, the, the finger injury they had, the tendon surgery. Okay. And so uh, he's, he's still getting up to speed. So I'd say he's definitely ahead of Cooper. He's ahead of Nick Benito. The run, how they play the run is the big difference between the two. You can see Nick is still kind of figuring things out. He doesn't, he doesn't diagnose as quickly as Baron Browning does. He's not as strong at the point of attack as Baron Browning is. So the, it, it, could he push Malik Reed? Possibly, but Reed, Reed himself has had a good camp as well. Malik's done nothing to lose his spot. But what it is now is you get Randy Gregory back in there and you have Chubb and Gregory. Now maybe you can use Browning and Reed in much the same way that you used Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray coming in back in 2015. And that's where you really can come at him in waves and you can have those fresh legs in the fourth quarter because you've been able to disperse the reps between them all. Great stuff, Andrew. As always, we'll let you go so you can get out there and get your eyeballs on the field. But really, really looking forward to tomorrow uh, and the Andrew Fit Day. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also looking forward to hearing you on the... uh, on the game broadcast. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You're, back, you're back on the charter then next week, huh? Uh, you know, we don't charter out, unfortunately. Oh, they don't put you on the charter no, anymore. No, no. So I've got to fly commercial all the way to Buffalo. <laughs> really? I won't be on the team charter with oh. the delicious food prepared for the players. Yes, yeah. unfortunately. Yes, commercial for me you, next week. You're just hitching a ride like the rest of us, yes. huh? Yeah. I'll be, <laughs> be muggle. just a muggle, yeah. Yeah, I'll be just yeah, another muggle. muggle. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It, but... Good. It's going to be good to hear you, you and Ryan on there as well. I can't wait. Uh, this is where I will go back and watch the broadcast after I've seen him because I want to hear what you guys have to say. It's going to be good. Right on. Ryan and I will certainly be very prepared. We are, we are already in preparation mode. Looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Seeing Andrew Fitz as well. Thanks, Mace. My pleasure, guys. Thanks, Andrew. All right. That was Andrew Mason, our senior Broncos writer at DenverFan.com. Our analysis of Training Camp 2020, Ready to Ride, is presented by Elite Sportsbook. Uh, When we come back, uh, sight and sounds from what will most likely be the most physical practice so far in Training Camp this year. That's next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, Ready to Ride. Here's Chad and Nate. All right, full pads out here today for the Denver Broncos practice, and already this practice is the most physical uh, that I have seen so far. They are working uh, punt coverage right now with the Gunners and the Flyers. Guys are going to the ground. There's actually some occasionally pads cracking. Uh, It's exciting to see kind of almost game speed tempo. Yeah, these guys are moving fast out there. Uh, you you gotta you gotta assume these players want to show what they got. You know, these players want to play football. this is their dream. They're living that. They've been working, like, their whole lives for this opportunity. Of course, they want to go out there and show what they can do. So I don't think the players, you know, as much as players don't like the dog days of camp and all that, these guys want to go out there and show what they can do in full pads. Right now, we're seeing some some punt return, punt drills in front of us. we got a gunner situation. we got two jammers jamming them, and they are going full speed. They're trying to stop him, and he's well, didn't make the tackle, but that's a hard work drill right there. It's almost an impossible drill to win as a gunner. you got two guys squatting in your face, trying to block you, talking about a drill that's not fair. That's one of them. Okay? But it's a realistic look you're going to see in a game, and that gunner just split those guys, and uh, he's going to get kudos when they watch film on that. So, starting off with a special teams drill, these guys are ready to rock. Yeah, this is, again, the most physical pace to a special teams practice we've seen so far. I think this pace will continue as practice goes along. So, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, It's been tough. 
uh, from a media standpoint to look at this Broncos team and really evaluate where they are with the pace and the uh, way practice has unfolded. So looking forward to seeing how today uh, unfolds. I, I suspect we will get a chance to see some fuller speed drills and evaluation on some of these guys who can set the edge, who as a middle linebacker can stuff the run as a pass rusher. Can you get your bull rush going and get underneath a guy's pads? Just haven't seen those opportunities here during training camp, so today will be the first day to see that. Yeah, the bottom line is that this is a results-based industry. The coaches understand. Coach Hackett understands. If he doesn't win, he's, he's gone. The incentive for him to get it right is as high as you can possibly imagine. So he's doing what he thinks is going to get his team ready to go win ball games. We're not going to know until we see it. But um, he knows the importance of physicality in the game of football. He knows the importance of blocking and tackling. He knows the importance of establishing that tough skin. Uh, I, I think she just think it's a, you know, they're following the science now, so they're, they're collaborating with entities that they never had to before. And obviously the union is involved in creating limitations here. But <clears throat> these guys are ready to go today, and, and it's good to see that energy. And I heard it's going to be a two-hour-plus practice. I'll believe that when I see it. <laughs> two hours, like, that's pretty long. You know what I mean? You don't see a lot of two-hour practices. We haven't seen one yet. Right. We got guys going to the ground here. There are got refs throwing flags. There are officials here at practice now that the padding is coming up, getting a, a flag thrown on some of the uh, jammers there, trying to stop the gunner from splitting them. So, yeah, physicality, guys going to the ground, flags being thrown. Real football has showed up at Broncos practice. Yeah, real football showed up, and we'll, we'll see how that reflects in the offense and defense stuff and, and seeing what that looks like. But, um, you know, last couple days we've been talking a little, and, and we haven't talked about Russell Wilson a lot because Russell Wilson was the big story in the offseason, and now that he's here, look at all these bodies out here that aren't Russell Wilson and all these camp battles that are going on. And a lot of times the things we talk about in camp are the battles, the position battles, because that's what's going to teach you who you got. That's the exciting thing to see who a new starter might be. There is no position battle at quarterback. Russell Wilson is the guy. And it's sometimes hard to evaluate a quarterback in, in practices like this because there there's so much on their plate offensively. They're trying to accomplish certain little things on each play, and they got a look on defense that they want to see versus this. And Russell Wilson's advantage or the thing that's unique about him is the stuff that's off script and practices on script. And so the thing that Russell does best is hard to simulate out here. But I would say to those that say Russell hasn't looked that good or, you know, James Merrillat was on, on here yesterday saying that he doesn't see a big difference between Russell Wilson and Teddy Bridgewell. Very, that's I, I a very him, James Merrillat thing to say. I made him repeat that just to make sure I heard it correctly and our listeners heard James saying that correctly. Yeah. I do see a big difference okay. between Russell Wilson and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, the way Russell Wilson moves on a football field, especially executing this offense, which is a lot about movement. You remember, when Gary Kubiak came in here and Peyton Manning was the quarterback, it was tough for Peyton to do the things that Gary Kubiak wanted him to do because it was about quarterback movement. It's about getting out of the pocket. It's about even on these running plays, getting on your horse and extending that ball to get those running backs out in space quickly. So the quarterbacks have to move out here, and there is no wasted movement in Russell Wilson. He is very efficient on the field. He's very technical. And when it comes to this offense, the run-heavy, play-action-passing keeper game, there's no one in the NFL who's better at play-action-passing than Russell Wilson. He's got great fundamentals. He's got those big hands. He really sells that fake. And so we're going to see guys running free. 
Now, has it been a spectacular camp for Russell Wilson? I won't say it's been spectacular, but I, I think also, also a part of that is it's kind of by design. If you're Nathaniel Hackett and you got, oh, this guy's one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL, let's just throw deep balls and wow the crowd. No, we've, he's already taking care of that, and he's already very good at that. Let's get him better at some of these things maybe he's not so good at. Underneath throws, throws across the middle, things like that. Uh, timing up some of these crossing routes, some of that kind of stuff. Uh, so while it has not been spectacular, and James can throw out a Teddy Bridgewater comparison, which I think is just absolutely ridiculous, um, you know, to James's point to a certain extent, there hasn't been all these, oh my gosh, Russell Wilson is just dialing it up out there, but that's also part by design, because this offense is not going to be about that. There is going to be reliance upon the run game. There is going to be reliance upon this quarterback and his ability to escape the pocket and do naked bootlegs and all those kind of things that we saw in the Gary Kubiak style of offense. Like you said, it's the play, I'm sorry, it's the practice design that presents Russell Wilson from shining at times, because you do want to create these 11-on-11 football-like game scenarios. If they were doing seven-on-seven, Russell would be shining. Right. He'd be standing back there and slinging it. You'd be seeing his arm. He would have no uh, impediment in the pocket. He'd be able to stand there and unleash the cannon and wow everybody with the variety of throws that he can make. The deep ball, rainbow throws, the laser beams, the touch passes. He can do all those throws, but the fact that they are trying to create realistic scenarios limits those opportunities to just stand back there and sling it. So... Getting used to, you know, or, or, or wanting to see a quarterback do that in camp. Uh, maybe you're not going to see that, but hopefully what they're doing is getting him ready for real football. Looks like the uh, defensive backs are working on their sideline tackling right now, working on their proper angles to use the sideline as a tackler. Who is the best tackler in the history of NFL football, of any football? Uh, the sideline? It is the sideline. Well done there, Nate Jackson. What about the ground? Uh, well, you got to get them on the ground. Gravity? Gravity, there you go. But as a defender, uh, there's 11 of us out there, but if you count both sidelines, there's really 13 of us out there. And you need to be taught as a football player to use the sideline to your advantage, particularly when you're trying to tackle somebody. So the defensive backs are working on that right now. The uh, linebackers are working on stripping the football, punching the ball out. It looks like they're doing a rotational drill here. Now the Inside linebackers are in, in the strip drill. The outside linebackers are doing the sideline tackling. And I can't quite get the right angle to see where the DBs move. But it's one of those rotational things. It's all one period. Uh, but got, each position group is rotating around to get each separate skill set. Sideline tackling, ripping the ball out. I believe the defensive backs are doing a maybe a fronting up tackling drill. Can you see a little better over there, Nate? Yeah, they got a little, uh, one of those little sleds with one of those little, yep, they're just kind of hitting the sled, fitting it up, driving the feet, and then moving on. Yep. So the, the structure of practice here, you know, outside of the walkthrough practices, the structure of practice is really nice. There's not it's a lot tickling of, your mustache a little bit. It, it is. There's not a lot of standing around. Yeah. There's, there's uh, efficient use of time. The groups are broken up to where it makes sense. Because if you're in a giant group of guys and you're going one at a time, you spend most of your time standing around while you're watching someone else do reps, but you begin to break the groups apart. Now we can get two guys getting reps at once. When the secondary gets together, the safeties are one one group. The cornerbacks are separate groups. Now there's two guys getting reps at the same time. There's a certain efficiency to which what they're doing out here, so that's nice to see. Yeah, and the receivers right now right in front of us on the other field are doing a kind of chop drill where they're chopping down 
these bags. Uh, Coach Zani's holding bags up like he's part, trying to put hands on them, and they're chopping those hands away so they can get into their routes. <laughs> yeah, now this drill where they use both hands to chop, I think is a little bit unrealistic. Um, but you know, sometimes you got to take baby steps to, uh, to to coach up the actual skill set that's involved. That's not, I mean, that's not unrealistic. You got to have a bunch of moves in your repertoire there. Sometimes they put both hands and you chop them down with both hands. I wish a receiver would try to use two hands on me because I'm just going to pull my hands well, back you put and two, choke you in the throat like Darth Vader. That's think? what I do. They're too fast for you, Chad. They're yeah. around you. They're down the field. Uh, for 15 years, I did a lot of chokeouts. Just just, on, just know that. On receivers? Uh, uh, occasionally. Occasionally. It was more so tight ends, but occasionally receivers got the Darth Vader chokeout method on them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, when we come back, more sights and sounds from what looks to be the most physical practice of Broncos training camp this year. That's next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. My iPhone is telling me that it's 85 degrees out here, but it feels much warmer. Now, we are in a tent, so we have do, we do have some shade, but it's I think it's the warmest day so far for practices. And so for the Broncos to be in full pads uh, and to what looks like it's going to be the most physical practice of the, of the year, uh, they're going to get a, get a double test. You put the pads on, and you got to deal with the heat out here today. Yeah, that's what football is all about, right? Right. Dealing with discomfort, going through it, sweating your butt off, going and being and, and dragging ass out there, and going to the locker room and taking a shower and eating and just being like, oh gosh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Hopefully, this practice will put them in that uncomfortable position where you can see how guys respond when they are tired because a football game is tiring. In that fourth quarter of a football game, you are digging down deep and trying to, you know, locate reservoirs of energy, reservoirs of resolve. When the game is on the line, that's really kind of what it's about. You got to put these guys through a little bit of a test. You know, I understand the every every two or three days, give them a break. But when you are out here and you are working and you are dialed into full pads like they are right now, you're working as hard as possible. You want to see what these guys are about. Right in front of us, these DBs are going through some backpedaling and flipping the hips. And on the far field, offense is doing some routes on air. Routes on air is just you're running the play. Versus no defense. So you're just kind of getting the play down, getting the routes down, the hand-eye stuff down, making those catches. A lot of times you'll have three quarterbacks thrown on the same play so everybody catches the ball just so they can get their hands on that ball. But you hear the base going, the the, the hill's pretty – I mean, it's filling up. It's not completely full, but for a Thursday, it's looking pretty good. I think people caught wind that this is going to be a full padded practice, and they want to see their Broncos performing out there. The question is who's going to step up, who's going to make those plays. I've talked about it a lot, Chad, that the guys who are trying to make the team have to make those wow plays every day to make guys remember their names. Yes, you have to be consistent. You have to know your plays. You have to be um, accountable in meetings. You have to be on time. Don't jump off sides. Know where you're lining up, all that kind of stuff. But make a special play that the coaches go upstairs and watch and go, wow, did you see that kid? He's doing it every day. There's no way we can get rid of him. If there's not a spot on the 53-man Let's put him on our practice squad because we know he's going to get our guys ready to play every week. Practicing that way. Show your skills, but also show your diligence. Show your heart out here and make an impression. Inside linebackers going over pads to our left, working on their footwork. The guy's looking pretty smooth going over those pads. Uh, to your point, what you just said, uh, during my coaching internships, I would often talk to the young guys, and I would say, take your mind from being a player to being upstairs as a coach. 
And what kind of conversation do you want us as a coaching staff to have about you? Think about that when you go out to practice every day. Are you a guy who repeats the same mistakes over and over and over? Or are you a guy who takes the coaching and put it, puts it into action and, and checks that mistake off the list? Because we don't ever expect you as a coach to be perfect. There's a reason why we practice. But you can't be a guy who makes the same mistake over and over and over and you're a mistake repeater. We want to move on and pave some new ground. We don't want to keep going on this same ground over and over and over. Are you a guy, to your point, who makes splash, splash plays where we go, wow, Okay, not only did he understand the play design and how what his assignment was and his job was, but then now he's making plays outside of the play design because he's got some special skills and abilities. So make sure upstairs we are talking about you in these kind of ways, not of this guy's done nothing all, all year, Coach. Uh, coach, this guy doesn't pay attention to the meetings. This guy is a constant mistake repeater. I constantly have to gun this guy about his effort, and I have to constantly ask this guy to, be, to go in drills and compete like this is important to him. What kind of conversations do you want us to have about you when we talk about you and we do those evaluations with the front office and the GM? I think those are always insightful conversations for those young guys to have to understand that they will be, in the words of Bill Cower, evaluated on everything you do. And so for these young guys to kind of take that to heart and understand that there is a constant process to this and we're having constant conversations about you and every day how you practice and how you perform, that should be insightful for these young guys to understand what they need to do and how they need to show up every single day. Yeah, these are all professional football players out here. They all belong out here, and they're all incredibly good at football, or they wouldn't be. And so as a player, you are going to get beat sometimes. You are going to get rolled over sometimes. You're going to get smashed. You're going to make a mistake. Uh, my, old, my old special teams coach and your teammate, Ronnie Bradford, right? Oh, yep, RB, yeah. He used to say, if you ain't been run over, you haven't been playing this game long enough. It's going to happen to everybody. How do you respond from the mistake? How do you respond from getting your butt kicked? That's what these coaches want to see. Do you shrink? Does your body language, you know, are you slouching now? Do you not want to get back in the huddle because of that? Or are you ready to go back again? Give me another shot, okay? I'm going to get it better this time. That's what coaches want to see, you responding to getting your butt kicked. We all get our butt kicked out here, okay? We all do. How do you respond to it? Do you come back tougher, smarter? Do you not repeat those mistakes? And do you want that ball? Like for, for a guy who drops a pass, do you not want it anymore because you're afraid you're going to drop it? Or do you want another shot at it to make him, you know, remember that you can't catch a ball? I think really body language, attitude, like you talked about, effort, those things are things that coaches are watching. Not just your ability to digest a playbook, line up in the right spot, be on it mentally. No, the heart of, uh, of you as a player. How do you respond to adversity? Uh, Bill McCartney, as, as he is prone to do, uh, it was always appealing uh, emotionally to us as players at CU. And one of his uh, stock statements was, it's in the heart of a man. And he would always say it with that kind of inflection. It wasn't just casual and light, oh, it's in the heart of a man. It's in the heart of a man. <laughs> it's in the heart of a so, man. Yeah, yeah, there was no question mark to it. It was, it was always very uh, emphatically said. Um, and in the end, football... Uh, there's a, obviously a physical element to it, and there's a mental element to it. But what ties those together is your heart for this game. Uh, you know, and I, I've used the phrase, are you willing to die for this? And I know that's hyperbole, and it's, you know, ridiculous language. But at the same time, in your heart, you have to be willing to die for this to make this that important to you. To run down full speed on the NFL field on a kickoff coverage, yeah, you kind of got to be willing to die for this. 
to be a safety and tackle a running back after you've been sprinting 10 yards full speed and contact him full speed. you got to be willing to die for this. So that kind of heart, that kind of passion, energy, focus has to show up here. As a coach, I've got to know and be able to trust that football is in your heart. In the heart of a man, yeah, it's in my heart, coach. Football's in my heart. Do you think this modern generation of football players, not just this Broncos team, but every single player in the NFL feels that way, that they're willing to die for this? Nope, not at all. What do you think the percentage is? Uh, of the final rosters, I would say 65 70%. So if you're one of those 65 or 70, how do you feel about the other 30? Uh, you, you know, you're, you kind of... Can you win with them? Can you, look, you win with them? Uh, you can't win with them. Can't coach them. Can't play with them. Can't win with them. And, uh, you don't feel all full Mike and Singletary about his it. pants. Right. But, but you... <laughs> <laughs> but you, he did. Yeah, you, I know he, he did. did. He One did. One of the most ridiculous things ever. Yeah. Um, but I think you recognize the guys who who bring it that way, and you have you like those guys, and the guys who don't typically are, are guys who are so supremely talented. It's their athleticism that keeps in their league, not the heart. Uh, but at some point, so, so would you say that whichever team has the the most number of those dudes who are willing to die for it are going to be the team is going to be the team that wins? Uh. There's, uh, you need some skill set. You gotta be willing well. to fight and die for that inch. Yes, uh, the six inches in front of your face. If you got all fighters and no athletes, you're not going to be very good. So earlier in distraction mm. segment, I talked about balance. You need that balance on your team as well. You need some dudes who are ass kickers. You need, you need a few choir boys. You got to have balance on your team. Otherwise, you're going to be too far in one direction. Choir boys. Yes. So we. Uh, this is it for you and I. Looking forward to uh, watching the rest of practice here. Stokely and Zach will be next. Uh, but I'm going to stick around, see hopefully some physical game speed football. Looking forward to it. I can't wait. Let's right, do Sto this. Stokely and Zach, they're next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.